Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time zone uh, and whatever country you're listening from. This is the Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan on basketballnews.com. And I'm pleased to be joined by uh, a guy I uh, keep close contact with, uh, one of the young reporters that I really, really respect because he never, ever, ever stops working. Um, and he's told me stories that his girlfriend doesn't like it so much, but his colleagues in the media really respect it. Uh, his name is Brandon Robinson. He goes by Scoop B. Uh, on Twitter, he's at Scoop B. Uh, Brandon, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, as one of the younger NBA insiders out there, um, I want your uh, I want your take on uh, a couple things. Some of the trades that have happened. Right now, we're a week out of the trade deadline, and some of the trades that you think are are going to happen. And and I want to get right into it by talking about the two trades that happened yesterday. Miami picked up Trevor Ariza from uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They got rid of the Myers uh, Leonard problem that they had, and then Milwaukee picked up uh, PJ Tucker from the from the Houston Rockets. We all knew that uh, PJ was going to get traded. It was just a matter of where. So both Milwaukee and Miami uh, get three and D guys. Uh, what's your take on that? And who do you think, if there was another three and D guy that was going to move, who do you think that might be? Scoop? Well, Chris, always good to talk to you first and foremost. Thanks for having me. As it relates to uh, Miami, I, I do like Trevor Reza. I like that move immensely uh, because, uh, not just because Trevor was born in the great city of Miami, but also – um, the fact that Miami is in fourth place and they are surging right now, uh, eight and two in the last 10, um, and really injuries has been their Achilles heel. Um, you knew something was kind of brewing. Obviously, he was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the offseason. He was working out in Miami uh, at some voluntary workouts uh, with, ironically, uh, Amari Stoudemire, who is an assistant coach with the Brooklyn Nets, as well as um, – from other guys and from everybody that I've spoken to that was there. Um, he said, he, they said he looked good. They have a defensive lapse um, that I think that they thought they would get last year with Andre Iguodala guarding your favorite other team's best perimeter player. And I think Trevor Ariza still has it. I think when you look at the NBA's Eastern conference, all respect to the Brooklyn Nets, all respect to the, the to the, uh, Philadelphia 76ers, but many people thought it was a foregone conclusion, or many people think that there's a foregone conclusion that it's just going to be Philly or Brooklyn, and that's the end. The Miami Heat are still the NBA's Eastern Conference champions, the reigning Eastern Conference champions, and they're getting healthy. Jimmy Butler's getting healthy. Um, you know, they, they got rid of Miles Leonard, as you noted, in that trade, and, you know, Miami is not done. There still is interest in other teams, so I think that's a part of the puzzle um, that, that they solved. The defensive yeah, my- perimeter position. Yeah, and, and Miami does have $30 million worth of expiring contracts, uh, including Avery Bradley, who's who's gathering dust and uh, might be able to be moved for an extra shooter. Um, but also, you know, they got Iguodala, and then if they wanted to do something bigger and put a few contracts together, maybe Kelly Olynyk would be included in that trade. That would have to be a big trade, though, because he starts for them now. But also, don't forget, it would be the second time they traded him because they traded him to Dallas two summers ago. And then that trade got voided. So, but let's move on to another team scoop. The Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan's team. Michael got the rookie of the year in LaMelo Ball. And the team is in fifth place as we tape here on March 18th. Um, and, and they've been kind of surging as well. And nobody talks about them. And people should talk about them because they got the most exciting rookie in the in the league in uh, in LaMelo. Um, but they got, a, they got a problem at center in that Cody Zeller has been with that team now, I believe, eight years. 
is not a productive center, especially offensively. And Bismarck Biombo, um, you know, he, he just doesn't give you much off the bench. Um, Malik Monk has been playing well lately, but what do you think the chances are that that Michael and his team uh, try to add a, another piece, probably a veteran piece, to make the the Charlotte Hornets um, not just an also ran, but like a, a, a real contender along the likes of uh, Miami, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philly. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Everybody talks about LaMelo Ball and just the greatness that he is and coming from overseas and being an international player. And it's interesting because I feel like LaMelo Ball is everything that many thought Brandon Jennings would be coming out the gate, coming from Italy and then transitioning into the NBA game. You're seeing this in real time with LaMelo Ball. Listen, when you look at the NBA's Eastern Conference at the time of this recording, the Hornets are 20 and 19 and in fifth place in the NBA's Eastern Conference standings. But you, as you as you noted, Chris, uh, the center position is, is is some would say is lacking in that regard. Cody Zeller, you know, fits to me in a San Antonio, a Utah, or Indiana Pacers type of situation. Um, just a big body that that can set picks, but also can get you some sort of you know mid range shooting um, in, in 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 a certain system setting. That being said, um, I can tell you that over the last few years, Charlotte has had a lot of interest in bringing in Andre Drummond. You know, everybody talks about, but they still got to match that 28 million uh, plus a second round pick. Uh, I say that to say um, there was some interest a few years ago. Everybody talks about the Lakers. Everybody talks about the Nets. The Heat that we mentioned before um, is, is another team in the pot, the pot as well as, you know, the the Knicks. But I, I honestly do think that when you look at the um, Charlotte Hornets, they're missing a bruiser, if I, if you will, like in today's NBA, where the center position is almost a, a, a perimeter guy, they need an Al Harrington type of player, a guy that can take you off the dribble, can post you a little more than Al Harrington did, um, but at the same time can get you outside shots, draw the double team, can pick and pop, can also you know draw the double team to to, to get you know shots for your best shooter. There's a reason why. Uh, they brought in Gordon Hayward. He can shoot the lights out. He's proved a lot of people wrong this season, early in the season with his shooting. So, you know, I like the Charlotte Hornets. I like the mix of young and old. I like what Michael Jordan is doing. It seems like they're getting it right. But I would like to see some of those expiring contracts be moved because, you know, I I think at the end of the day, like, I think Charlotte has something. They're exciting to watch um, in an Eastern Conference where everybody likes Philly and and Brooklyn. Um, I I like the, uh, the Hornets as well as the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, you've talked about the Bulls on the phone with me and uh I'm I'm not impressed but I know I know that's that's your team and you know a lot of guys on that team uh I think they they might be predisposed to move Thomas Sadoransky. They are superfluous at this point. Cody that's Cody White's job to grow into um you know, he's going to bounce bounce from the starting lineup to the bench um you know, at as uh, as the the year goes along, just kind of as a as as a learning lesson and as a motivating factor, getting back to Andre Drummond, uh, it was real tough for the Detroit Pistons to trade him last year, and then Cleveland ended up taking him, and now Cleveland's going to move him again, and it's because of the size of his salary. There's not that many teams that can put together uh, enough money to make the salaries match, so. Let's assume Cleveland is going to be able to trade JaVale McGee, but not trade Andre Drummond. So question number one, well, who do they trade JaVale McGee to? And question number two, where does Andre Drummond go? Well, you know, every this season reminds me so much of last season. Everybody's going to the Lakers. 
everybody's going to the Nets. And I think when you look at it, you have to look at it from a money perspective. On the Drummond point, the Cavs are not obligated to buy out Drummond. They're not. When you look at uh, a situation with the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics have assets potentially bringing, you know, getting rid of or, or sending Tristan Thompson back to Cleveland um, and, and some other pieces. I was looking at their roster and some untouchables. Obviously, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are untouchable, but they moved the right amount of expiring contracts. They could Boston could make that work. Um, when you look at Miami, Miami is a team that could make that work as well, mathematically, with the expiring contracts. And again, that's if Cleveland decides they want to make a trade or they want to buy out. There's no benefit to just buying out. when you. And, and I think the same goes for uh, JaVale McGee. You know, the Lakers would be an awesome fit. However, the Lakers are who they traded him to, or the Lakers traded him to Cleveland. You know, people say Brooklyn. In my opinion, Brooklyn's best chance to get JaVale McGee in New York was when they were making that Jared Allen trade with the whole Karis LeVert, James Harden move. Mm -hmm. Now they're kind of stuck. But the thing is, when you look at Brooklyn's roster, um, I like the, the, the growth of Nick Claxton. I like um, the chemistry that James Harden has uh, with DeAndre Jordan. The jury's still out on what happens with Blake Griffin. Um, but the other notion is this. Boogie Cousins is a free agent. You know, everybody that I've spoken to, and I tweeted this earlier today, the Lakers, the Nets, the Heat uh, are uh, likely suspects in that situation. So it's kind of a wait and see. The Lakers and the Nets, if there's a buyout, are looking at that situation to bring in Drummond. If not, Boogie Cousins has a relationship with the Lakers. Uh, as well as with with you know Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Phil Handy, who's an assistant coach with the Lakers, and Frank Vogel. So you know I, I think it's just a matter of fit and what happens with Drummond. I think once the Drummond situation happens, I think all the other dominoes will fall. As far as um, Javale McGee, you know again Cleveland is not obligated to buy him out either. You know, and it's a situation where yeah he may have an interest in you know Brooklyn, but I'm gonna say this to you: I look at the Lakers roster. And I feel as though they're kind of kicking themselves now because Anthony Davis is hurt. You let Dwight Howard go from, you know, someone I spoke with, Dwight really wanted to stay with the Lakers, but he wanted more money and he wanted to close games. That scenario presents itself in Philadelphia. You know, you let JaVale McGee go and then you bring in um, Montrez Harrell, who I like his game. I like his fit, but, you're missing those athletic shot blockers and rim protectors in, in Dwight Howard and in JaVale McGee this season. Yeah, and let's not forget, Dwight was an agitator um, in a cheerful way, but it got under certain guy's skin. One of those guys was Nikola Jokic last year in the playoffs. And and Dwight's doing that same thing now. But uh, you're right, with Anthony Davis out you know, and, and continuing to miss games, he's the, the Western Conference's Kevin Durant. Montrez Harrell is is putting up you know great numbers off the bench and with Mark Gasol and COVID protocol, man, what a great pickup Montrez Harrell was. But you can never have enough big men, and I tend to agree with you that uh, um, whoever of the buyout guys at center uh, likes LA likes the most is the guy that the Lakers are going to get. The thing with the Lakers and the Clippers is they're both right up against the hard cap, so that takes away a lot of their trade flexibility and they're going to have to sign somebody to a minimum contract. But when you get a chance to play with LeBron or you get a chance with the Clippers to play with Kawhi and Paul, you take it, you roll the dice and see where it leads you in the championship run. Agreed. Uh, as, 
As for Brooklyn, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Nicholas Claxton. The more I watch him play, the more I think, hey, this kid is pretty good. Um, that being said, I think they need another big body. Um, they're going to play Joel Embiid in the playoffs at, at a certain point, and you got to guard that guy. He was having an MVP season. He was almost looking like a lock MVP before he got hurt. Um, now I see the MVP race as being wide open, wider than a lot of writers, but I see about eight guys that can win it. And, uh, and, and so we'll have to see. But let's uh, – I'm going to go to the Western Conference in a second with the Sacramento Kings. But before we get out of the East, what about Kyle Lowry and the Toronto Raptors scoop? Kyle is in the last season of his contract. <clears throat> He's been playing in the league for 195 years, most of them with Toronto. <laughs> He's going to re- have his number retired by the Raptors eventually, but he's on an expiring $30.5 million contract. The Raptors are six games under 500. They've lost six in a row. They've been hit hard by this, that, and the other thing. Um, you think they, they make a move in which they, they try to turn Kyle Lowry into something? Because, man, the guy could still play ball. His shooting percentages are among the highest that he's had in four or five years. He leads the league in drawn charges. Kyle Lowry at age 35 is still a really good NBA player. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I had uh, Rashad Phillips uh, on my podcast, the Scoopy Radio podcast, in the spring. And one of the things that he shared with me um, was that, um, and this kind of goes back to the LaMelo ball conversation. Um, LaMelo, the, the, he says to me that the Raptors were really seriously looking to get LaMelo ball to come to Toronto. Um, in the draft. And, you know, in order to make that happen, there would have had to have been some movement between the Sixers uh, as well as um, the Golden State Warriors in order to make that happen. Um, and then there was talk with, you know, the Timberwolves, and depending on where the seating was as it related to the draft. And when he was on my podcast, he shared with me that, you know, there was a desire to get Kyle Lowry back home, a native of Philadelphia, went to Cardinal Doherty High School, graduated from or actually played basketball at Villanova down the street from my alma mater, Eastern University. And, you know, there was an interest in putting Lowry in the mix. So when I started hearing that talk again, I said, oh, you've seen this before where there's conversation that people are having at free agency time or and then the conversation reemerges during um, during, you know, trade deadline time. So that conversation about Philadelphia was nothing new. um, But what I think ended up happening was the Sixers decided they wanted to keep Ben Simmons and Minton. And, you know, you're seeing how well, you know, he's, he's been uh, beneficial to them defensively this year, you know, conversation of defense play of the year. Um, but as it relates specifically to Kyle Lowry, there are other teams that have an interest in Kyle Lowry and, and namely uh, the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers need a, you know, a, a, when I look at Kyle Lowry, he's such a throwback Philadelphia point guard, you know, you the Doug Overtons, the, you know, even Jameer Nelson, who grew up in Chester, just that heady point guard, that's the floor general. Uh, almost like a Sam Cassell type guy, uh, except Sam was maybe an all-star once, I think, in his career, or never. I can't remember if he was or he wasn't. But when I look at Kyle Lowry, uh, the Clippers could benefit from a Kyle Lowry, a guy that's been to the finals, won a championship alongside Kawhi Leonard, a guy he has a relationship with from their days in Toronto. It would be a cool story. It just the numbers have to match. But the thing is, you look at what um, has happened in Toronto this year. You saw Fred Van Vliet get that that uh, that contract. One, two, you saw Norman Powell go off the other night against the Detroit Pistons. And I think that there's room for um, 
I guess, the future of the Raptors if they want to let him go. But the reality is he has an expiring contract. So when I look at those prospects, Philadelphia makes sense. You have uh, they've done a good job. Daryl Morey and Elton Brand have done a good job in, in, in trading and making moves and having expiring contracts. It would make a lot of sense. Kyle Lowry is saying all the right things. His agent is refuting some things. But at the same time, would be a good homecoming if he came to Philadelphia. And it would be a great reuniting for the Clippers if, you know, uh, he and Kawhi found a way to be teammates again. And I'll add this. You talk about the Nets and the Sixers and everybody thinking that those two teams are the favorite in the East. Not a foregone conclusion that the Lakers can be crowned the champions, although it would be cool to see. The Clippers, were, were people were crowning them in the preseason. It's kind of quiet. New coach in, 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 in Ty Lue. And, hey, man, that would be pretty cool if the Clippers or the Sixers were able to nab them. But, you know, those are the conversations that are being had behind closed doors. Sixers, Clippers. Yeah, the Sixers, you know, they could put, put uh, excuse me, the Sixers could put together $30 million in expiring contracts. And the only guy who's a rotation player he, um, is Mike Scott. And he's not, you know, he, he's not a key rotation player. Um, the Clippers can put together, you know, Marcus Morris senior uh, and some combination of either Patrick, uh, Patrick Beverly or William Lou Williams and another piece, but put Morris and Beverly together. And right there, you got $28 million and that works cap wise for Toronto. So um, I like, I like the way you're thinking and let's, uh, let's turn to the West and a team that's underperformed for the last um, 40 years, but specifically this season is the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Nemanja Belica was a key starter and who's gathering dust this year compared to what he did before. A lot of people are saying he's maybe the most likely king to be traded. But I got two other guys. Uh, One is Harrison Barnes, who's been there three years since leaving Dallas. Uh, He's kind of served his time in Northern California, uh, and his name has been out there in trade rumors. And then Hassan Whiteside. Let's not forget, Hassan Whiteside was putting up all-star caliber numbers for the Portland Trailblazers last season before uh, Yusuf Nurkic came back. Nurkic came back during the bubble and played so well that Whiteside couldn't get off the bench. Then he ended up signing for low money in Sacramento in the offseason. It seems to me that it would be easier for the Kings to trade and get something for Whiteside than it would be for either Belitza or Barnes. What's your take on that, Scoop? Yeah, you, Whiteside's name gets floated around a lot in conversations. Um, and I kind of feel like – I feel sometimes like he's the modern-day Andrew Bynum, but he's not. In the sense of he's a big man that can benefit a team, that can score, that can rebound, but he's not like a driving force like a, like a Nurkic or, you know, like – it's like he's stuck in between being a tweener or a traditional center. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, in 72 games two seasons ago, he averaged 12 points, 11 rebounds, and I think close to two blocks uh, and I, and in Miami. Um, and one of the things, I mean, he was a second-round pick. I think people forget, like, just how far along he's come to get to where he's gotten before. Again, Lakers fans want to see that, but, again, it has to make mathematical sense um, to me a return to Miami would be dope because you're playing alongside a Bam out of bio. And clearly that, 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 that hybrid center position on that lane is his, but it seems like the, the Miami heat are looking to create a two headed monster in the post. It's almost like they're trying to be top heavy. Like the Lakers were last year to me, Miami would make sense. Um, I, to be honest with you, 
Um, I think Portland would would make sense. I feel like Portland is missing something. You know, I've heard the talks of you know even Lamarcus Aldridge making a return to to Portland. I've heard the talks of um, many people talking about you know even Boogie Cousins potentially filling that hole. When you look at Portland, that's a team that lacked a presence in the post um, in the playoffs last year. And I believe that you know when you add a healthy you know uh, a Carmelo Anthony with Damian Lillard and others. Um, I think Portland is a is a bruiser team. You know, Lillard's been playing his tail off, dropped 50 the other night. But I, I look at Hassan Whiteside as an asset, um, but I, I don't see him as a liability in the right system. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on Portland because I, I think when they get Nurkic back, they just got CJ back, um, and when they get Nurkic back and and he's 100% playing shape, there's no room left for, for Hassan. Um, Portland is a sleeper in the West, and Damian Lillard is the biggest sleeper MVP candidate out there. Um, it, it's astounding to me that the guy can drop fifty and uh, and have and he can do Hulu commercials and to, so many people just don't, don't know who he is or don't don't appreciate how great he is and uh, don't get a chance to watch him play because of the size of the market he's in and the lack of coverage that they get in uh, on the national networks. But uh, one more uh, Western Conference team scoop. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are six games under 500. Um, everybody knows that other than Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, uh, pretty much everybody on that team is available, different prices for different guys. But the most likely guy to be moved or bought out is J.J. Redick. And my guess is if he ends up being bought out, he moves home to Brooklyn. That's where his family lives, and he plays for the Nets, signs as a free agent. If he's traded, I think he will be traded either to the Knicks or the Celtics. The Knicks could take him on with room, and the Celtics could take him on with a, with a trade exception room, and he could be a big help to, to either team in the playoffs. They're both going. Um, the Knicks are overachieving, and the Celtics are underachieving. Where you got Reddick? Headed at the end of the day, um, well, the the Duke connection to Kyrie Irving is is there. Um, they have a good rapport. Uh, Steve Nash and JJ Redick have a good rapport. Um, I also think Philadelphia is a team that a return home uh, playing to play for the Sixers. That that's that's an option. Um, I know that Danny Green is their sharpshooter for hire, um, but I also know um, that you can never have too much shooting. And so when you look at that, that does make plausible sense. So do the Celtics. So do the Nets. Um, and I also think when you look at the Pelicans, um, a lot of talk of Lonzo Ball's departure has, has kind of died down. I know that the Bulls uh, were a team that um, you know, were on the top of the list mutually. Um, and you made a mention of uh, Sadoransky. Uh, not only was Sadoransky available, but so, so is Thaddeus Young um, and uh, you know, you have questions on whether or not uh, they will renew uh, Larry Markkinen in the offseason. Uh, he had a good, he had a monstrous dunk the other night. His health has been a concern, but at the same time, Thaddeus Young is a piece um, that for a, a, a young squad, you know, is a benefit. He, he is a, a big man that can run the floor, that can take outside jumpers and, and get to the rack and can rebound. Uh, I know that they have Steven Adams in uh, Oklahoma, or excuse me, in New Orleans, uh, but at the same time, um, when you look at J.J. Redick, viable shooter, has a relationship with uh, Stan Van Gundy, but it seems as though, you know, that that offense is very uh, 
Brandon Ingram and and as well as uh, Zion Williamson Ball dominated. So it'll be interesting to see you know, at the trade deadline what happens with Lonzo Ball as well as uh, with J.J. Redick. But um, I do think that the teams that you mentioned, plus the 76ers, are, are, are teams of no that, that could, could legitimately grab him. Yeah, I think between the Knicks and the Celtics, the team that gives up the most will get him because I believe the Pelicans would like to put J.J. Redick together with with other players that they'd like to move off of. And again, the Celtics can absorb those those salaries into uh, into their trade exception, their Hayward trade exception, and the Knicks have a ton of cap space. And I, the Knicks are, boy, every, a lot of things can move through the Knicks when the trade deadline comes. Um, and the Celtics want to move Tristan Thompson, and Tristan Thompson in New Orleans makes a lot of sense. There he is. Scoop B, Brandon Robinson. You can follow him on Twitter at Scoop B. You can follow me on Twitter at Sheridan Hoops. Uh, this has been the Sheridan Show. Um, I want to you know, really thank you a lot, Brandon, for coming on the show. Folks, follow him on Twitter and keep up with, with the Scoop B radio podcast. It'll keep you informed. It'll keep you entertained. Um, very interesting guests. Very interesting guests, but great basketball talk as well. And Scoop also does a show on Instagram Live every Thursday night, so follow him on Instagram as well. And um, your nights at home will not be just sitting on the couch watching television night after night after night during this pandemic. You'll have something else to do, and it'll shake things up. And then when you do your reard work, you can listen to his podcast on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and I'm not going to forget to mention we got a ton of great podcasts here at basketballnews.com, and the newest member of our team is Rex Chapman. Um, and I want to go on Rex's uh, podcast because I've heard stories about Rex Chapman hitting the pick six. Uh, Rex likes the horses, and um, I also write about sports gambling a lot, and I, so I've heard some sports gambling tales, and he's in one of them. So Uh-oh. with that, Scoop, thanks for coming on the show, bro. Brother, always a pleasure. Glad uh, we can make that happen. And we got to play pool again. You kicked my butt last time. Yeah, well, you know, I, I majored in pool at Marquette. So <laughs> pool and journalism. With that, folks, thanks for, for joining another episode of my show. And thanks for following Basketball News. Uh, it's the best new basketball website out there. Watch us grow over the next few years. Um, just a, a great staff of, uh, of ex-players, including James Posey and Kenyon Martin, Jadakiss does a show uh, on our platform. Uh, I do the basketball news. I'm the writer, uh, but I get to do this podcast as well, and I thank you for tuning in. And with that, we are over and out.